Bitcoin, crypto, there's so much noise about the future of money, but are we forgetting the whole point? You know, it's all about exchanging value. By the way, this has nothing to do with cryptocurrency. It's all about reciprocity. You know, people's time, experience and expertise, in my opinion, is way more valuable than any money can exchange. You know, could this concept of reciprocity be the future of healthcare innovation? Let's discuss. Welcome to day 33 of my 90 day challenge where I'm sharing my personal journey back to physical and mental health. But also alongside that, together with my guests, we're sharing insights into the world of health and entrepreneurship. So do check out the previous episodes. And if you like what you're seeing, do subscribe, hit the notification bell to continue this journey together. My, I'm Beirouz. I'm a consultant in public health medicine here in the UK or preventive medicine physician for those of you in the States and other parts of the world. And my mission is to help you, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur too, to create a healthier, happier world through your ventures. You know, if this does sound like you and interested in finding out more, do check out the link in the description be below where I've got a free masterclass, essentially walking you through the um, the process to get your idea into the health sector, but also to overcome challenges that you might face, like getting adoption or getting access to people, to data, to other resources, to be able to demonstrate proof of concept in the health sector. I'm really excited now to be joined by my very special guests, uh, John Lodge and Dr. Hisham Abdullah. Uh, they're both co-founders of the award-winning Skill Exchange and Time Back time back, excuse me, hexitime.com. Again, there's a link below. John is head of quality improvement for London and NHS England. And Dr. Hisham Abdullah is consultant pediatrician and NHS clinical lead for quality improvement and director of medical education in Walsall. John Hisham, welcome to the Entrepreneur's Doctor. Hi, thanks for having us. It's Thank a real pleasure to have you both. I'm going to go to uh, perhaps Hisham first, um, what's, what, what led you both here? You know, what's, what's Hexitime all about? Okay, so, so my story started about five years ago, Behru. So I, I had just been appointed as clinical lead for my pediatric department. So I, I should have been, you know, the kind of pinnacle of my career, really. I've been training up to be a consultant for 10, 15, 20 years. And now I here was leading this, this new pediatric department bringing a kind of a novel approach to pediatric service delivery in, in our population. And, and it, it, we, we had a, a team, we were, we were doing really well. Our organization came out of special measures in, in no small part due to some of our work. But then uh, the, the irony was that as, as a trust came out of special measures, what I didn't realize at the time was that was really the beginning of the end actually. So the, the, there's no parachute payment in the NHS. You know, you come out of special measures. There's no funding, you know, bonus or boost. And slowly but surely, the the kind of the expectations for, for me and my team that we were going to do more for less. Resources were cut. Staff started leaving, and it became harder and harder and harder. Um, and and to be fair, what I did was was try to work harder and harder. So, like many people in the NHS, um, this is our our passion, our our you know um, commitment. And, and what I realized was that I was coming in early, leaving late and becoming more and more burnt out um, in the process of doing so. And, and eventually I, I just couldn't cope anymore. Um, and I resigned, not just my clinical lead post, but I, I left the NHS entirely actually. So it was the first time 
in my life really that I was unemployed and unemployable. And it was during that kind of nadir in my life, I, I kind of came across this idea of time banking. So I joined a local time bank and the way it works is that it's based on, just as you say, this reciprocity that, you know, you, if you have, say, for example, if you're, if you're in a local time bank and your next door neighbor and a brick cell egg, you can spend an hour of your time mowing their lawn and you, and you get one hour credit, you get one credit for that. And then if at a later date you need some help, I don't know, say filling in your tax return and you've got an accountant in the time bank, you could spend that one credit to get an hour of his or her time to help you. And, and, and by doing that, you'll have noticed three things have, have happened. Firstly, work gets done without paying for it. Secondly, there is a connection that happens between all these individuals in the community that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And thirdly, and this is a little bit more subtle, but there's a huge value in being able to do stuff, you know, and being genuinely thanked for doing that. So you might not be able to do much, but you can mow a lawn. And, and, and as I was doing this, I kind of recognized a lot of the parallels between the, the, that community work and what I needed back in healthcare. So we were also short of resources. There was no time and no money really to spend. We we're also isolated and, and working in silos. And also we we're all focused on our assets, uh, sorry, on, on our deficits rather than our assets. So we thought, you know, maybe this kind of time banking idea could work to improve healthcare. And that's really what brought this kind of idea into my kind of head. And I was just kind of playing around with this uh, when I met John. Nice. That's, Hisham, just, just hearing that, you know, and obviously this is the first time you and I are meeting. Um, it's It sounds very familiar. It really sounds very familiar. I mean, over the past month, I've been highlighting obviously a bit of my personal story, but also stories of of entrepreneurs and we'll come on to that entrepreneurs who get into entrepreneurship in the health sector because of a personal experience and often they're from outside the healthcare sector so it's just interesting hearing from someone within the health sector before we get back onto that john i'd love to hear from you too yeah so i, I came in from a slightly different angle i i joined the nhs in 2012 having had a previous career in the army and i came across as I guess the best way to describe it is as a middle manager at that sort of level. And so in my previous career in, in middle management, I had established you know, a, a degree of credibility and a network of people with skills to get stuff done. So when my boss asked me to do something, I had contacts to help me deliver that. And I came across the NHS and that, that little like black book of contacts that I had was now meaningless. Uh, in the NHS and I realized that I was actually to all intents and purposes a fresh recruit but I was in a I was in a middle management role and so when my boss asked me to do something I didn't have that that network like all my peers had at that level to go and get stuff done and at the same time I thought well I was looking at the NHS you know um, uh, over a million employees and I was thinking there's, there's so much talent and skill in this workforce and uh, I'm new in through the door and I just don't know how to access it. Uh, and, and the more I looked around, I could see just siloed working departments, divisions, organisations, professions, keeping people on time to shift, delivering, delivering pretty transactional outputs. And um, I really just looked at that and thought, I wonder if we could create that little black book of contacts for people joining the NHS or any level 
so that when they've got good ideas, they don't have to, first of all, put five years in before they can start to network and deliver those ideas. And, um, and then the, the manager inside me as an NHS manager, frankly, over the, over the first few years of management, could see people like Hisham burning out in his situation and trying to dig himself out of the hole by working harder. And I could see colleagues literally in the department next door not working to their full capacity. And that's got, that's no reflection on people's like will or work ethic. It's just the mismatch of demand and, and, uh, and supply in the labor market in the NHS. Some people are really busy, some people aren't. And as a manager, I looked at that and thought, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could realign people with spare capacity to people who are working themselves uh, into the ground? And help each other out a bit and maybe maybe that was a bit of fresh eyes naiveties the nhs sort of expecting a national health service where people would indiscriminately work across departments and organizations in a way that i was familiar with with the military where it still has regimental divisions but at the end of the day they're all still military and people will help each other out and and muck in um and you know uh, years down the line i don't think that's naive at all I think it's a realistic and sensible vision to, to pursue. We're, we're just a few steps further back than I thought the starting point was when we, we, we came in. So that's my story, a bit, a bit managery, uh, but also uh, wanting to network and help people innovate and connect and ultimately improve services and not get bogged down in service delivery so much. Just listening to the both of you, John, thanks for sharing that. Um... I'm, I'm, you've got me, honestly, I'll do anything it takes to help you guys out. I think you're on a great uh, trajectory. You, you've got a great mission. Um, and indeed, looking from the outside in, you think it's national. And it is, it really is. I mean, it's still in, in parts of like, you know, public health uh, uh, services, you do have this matrix feel where you've got um, consultants in public health, for example, working across the nation, in, in addition to their regional uh, uh, kind of you know scope of work if you like but but what i like what about what you you guys are doing is you're bringing people from all parts of the nhs so it's not just clinical but it's anyone from any level of the nhs to help each other out and and solve some of the problems that they see so that's fantastic honestly thank you both for what you're doing i'm just curious how it's how it's been adopted like what's the the feedback you're getting so far so so one key thing is, is that as we've as this has grown from one people one person to two people to 10 to 100 to a thousand you know the number of people now who are on this exchange program or the exchange platform has really kind of exploded but one of the, the key points that certainly i've i've learned and has really been kind of a, a cornerstone to this is this idea that one hour equals one credit that irrespective of how many degrees you have, you know, your gender, your ethnicity, you know, whatever your background, if you can do something, then that will give you one credit for that hour. And that means that whether you're in the NHS, outside the NHS, whether you're a patient, a civil servant, or a service user, as long as your interest is improving health and care, then, then, then you're in. So it becomes a community of purpose rather than a community of place, which is how kind of time banking originated. And that kind of unifying 
factory is really what helped take this from from an idea in in, in our head to something which is now kind of living and, and breathing and 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 really expanding in a way that I, I couldn't have dreamt of kind of a year a couple of years ago when we started this so now we have you know about 1600 people on the platform from oh. the top of the healthcare to the bottom so you've got nhs directors ch chief execs head of NHS Improvement in Scotland, head of NHSX, NHS Digital, and then you've got clinicians, doctors, nurses, pharmacists, social workers, porters, you know, you, you name it. And, and, and all the while, what, what's happening, what they're coming together is, is around sharing experience, expertise, or just enthusiasm, and that on that kind of simple reciprocal basis. And every time there's an exchange, and, and this, is, this is kind of almost the most beautiful part of it, there's an exchange of resource. So there's, you're kind of moving resources in that kind of one hour, one credit basis. But actually, certainly for me, probably more importantly, is that it also moves mindsets from competition to collaboration, from up pathway to down pathway, because suddenly these people are meeting and, and what they're learning and what they're growing from is interacting with someone who would not normally be part of their uh, circle. Um, and that in itself is, is transformative as people realize that they're part of a system, that they're actions on their impact go well beyond their kind of limited scope so that's that's what we're starting to see yeah i think um for me like on a personal level what sort of gives me that warm fuzzy feeling is when we hear individual stories usually linked to equality so uh in fact i was talking to a lady today um an asian lady who is having difficulty in her work at the moment she's probably in that like middle middle management grade and uh, she's now using uh, Hexi time for a partnership we have with the Shuri network to get access to mentoring and coaching support from a senior executive who there's, there's no way she would have had access to that senior executive in a different organization totally different career point to her and uh, she's going to get access to mentoring and uh, career coaching to help hopefully get her, herself out of out of a bit of a career rut at the moment and individual stories like that are just like really heartwarming on, on the equality side because in that case it doesn't matter what what race or sex or grade she is we're, we're helping people out across the, the whole system and ju just to add to what Hisham was saying there I think uh, something else that's really great about how this is playing out is the way it's um, undermining sort of command and control hierarchies in the system so uh, because everybody's time is literally equal with time credits, if you're at the bottom of that agenda for change pay structure, if you're giving your hour, you're getting the same credit as somebody on a on an executive grade. And of course, as you get credits, you're, you're it's a currency, right? So you're you're getting buying power, you're getting capacity, but you're getting it on the same terms. So. What you do with that is up to you, but you're 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 now on an equal footing. Uh, so traditionally, in command control power dynamics in the NHS, you have a more of a chance of making change if you're senior, have a budget, have a team, have decision making authority, play the right politics on the right board. On a time bank, none of that matters because you have the same buying power. We're, and and at the end of the day, you've 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 only got 24 hours in a day so you can't you can't out compete each other with um with any multipliers on a time bank and that's really nice how how, how we're empowering everybody equally 
to improve health and care services. And to take that even one step further, to be slightly more radical, you don't even need to be on the NHS payroll. You could be on, you could be on mat leave, a sabbatical, you could be retired, you could be a student nurse, uh, you, could, you could be an academic, uh, a social worker. You could just be a really interested citizen with skills that wants to improve your local services and you have the same, same empowerment to bring credits in to do that. Wow. Honestly, you, you, okay, I just have to share this. You know what, I started this, I've been doing weekly podcast episodes for the last maybe six months uh, as part of the Entrepreneur's Doctor, but I decided to go head first all in into doing this 90-day challenge. And what I've been learning from people like you and other guests that I've had is just honestly it's inspiring it's phenomenal and i can't i'm gonna look back at this i'm just gonna love this experience i mean just hearing your stories from others as well getting into the health sector they don't have to be on the nhs payroll look if you're watching listening to this do check out HexiTime's link in the description below and i would love to see this internationally actually you know to see this in all parts of the world and especially if there's exchange internationally not just within the nhs in in england or wales or elsewhere I want to pivot now, if I may, uh, and perhaps go to, again, Hisham to begin with, and then John. I'm going to be the student. This is my favorite part of these episodes. So you're going to teach me, but also the entrepreneur who might be watching, listening. Um, but before you teach the concept, why is, it you're going to, why is it important to even learn about this? I'm happy to Okay, go for it, Johnny. So I'm currently on the NHS Clinical Entrepreneurs Programme and I'm bumping into entrepreneurs all the time um, at various stages of their, of their journey. And what's becoming increasingly apparent when we, when we, when we network and talk to them is uh, like in the early stages, people can be a bit guarded. Like they think they've got a, a wonderful idea that's worth millions that if they leak it or tell it to anybody, it's just going to get stolen and run away from them. And uh, Hexitom's a really good example where when people come together with purpose, me and Hisham were complete strangers when we put our cards on the table to, to develop Hexitime. But as long as you've got that sort of shared purpose and a bit of um, shared values to start, I'd say that the first sort of lesson if we're, if we're teaching here would be to share ideas and find allies that can take ideas into prototypes into concept that's being de being delivered and of course you need to be careful with who you partner with and make sure your values are aligned and all the rest of it but it's very very rare to find examples of success where somebody has been the chief exec you know chief designer the accountant uh the administrator and all those jobs in one from start to finish it's so rare uh, and success happens with controlled collaboration so i guess the first thing would be say network and find find your right the right team to share the share the burden and the work but also the greater spoils uh, and outcomes at the end of it as well yeah. can, I, can i just endorse that one as well actually because i think there's something really important because i remember actually having a moment of hesitation when I, when I first met John, I don't know if it works for you as well, John, thinking, do I, do I tell him this idea? Because <laughs> I think yeah, it can yeah, be really sure. big. Yeah. 
Did you? Yeah, well, as I said, I have to say, there was something inside me saying, you know, I I've never met this guy before. How, how do I know? Not, not that you're going to necessarily steal it, perhaps, but that you're going to even understand it or take it with it. And, and I have to say that that decision, uh, which was broken through the key community, was, was definitely one of the best things that could have happened at that point. And the other thing that's really helped in this kind of partnership is the fact that there are two co-founders. Is there have been times where I've been, you know, up to the eyeballs at work, or you know, I had a, a road a road of traffic accident, for example, and I, and I was incapacitated for a while. And John's been able to take up some of the slack. Other times, John's been redeployed to the NHS Nightingale. You know, you know, busy as as you could be, where I've been able to do some of some of the work. So that ability to kind of flex around each other's capabilities, I think, is really important. So having a a partner who you you trust you know completely and, and you're able to flex around each other's capacity but also I don't know if you picked up on this we come at it from slightly different angles you know I'm perhaps you know as a pediatrician a little bit more kind of you know EQ whereas John's a bit more IQ and and there's you know there's something there about complementing each other's skill sets uh, which I think is also really valuable in in, in, a, in a good team yeah I think that's like a good relationship isn't it um working or or otherwise is a a good, a good compliment and uh you know and, and good like challenge that you respect right you know challenge that you can be really frank and honest with each other and uh wrestle through problems and opportunities and uh and be better off for it i know i know i know that um people worry about ideas but at the end of the day it, it takes a lot of hard graft to turn an idea into reality and um, if I was trying to deliver this by myself, there's no way. It, it, it wouldn't be anywhere close to what we have today without Hisham involved. Yeah. And by extension, some of our wider team that we've since grown uh, from that. Believe me, I've been there where, you know, we've been talking about ideas. I just love talking about ideas. I could just sit back on a coffee or a tea somewhere and just talk about ideas galore. And the number of times it's turned into like non-disclosure agreements and speaking to solicitors. And then uh, about a year or so ago, I came across some uh, experts in entrepreneurship and in investors and started talking about it. And they just started laughing at me. And they're like, honestly, it's just an idea until you execute, unless it's a patented, you know, paintable however you say it, you know if it's like some yeah. form of technology or a new drug or something that's fine but anything in the health service in indeed the wider health sector that involves partnerships and collaboration it's about execution and actually making it happen and the idea get it out there um, because that's just the beginning of the journey um, so I, I love it so okay John perhaps over to you first of all uh, what would what what is it that you actually want to teach me today well the, the, so so as, as, as well as sort of sharing your idea and collaborating, the other thing that most people face when they're start, starting out with an idea or a business is, is resource. And the vast majority of people are bootstrapping an idea uh, or, or an innovation. And um, now this is where time banking can be really powerful because instead of going out for that, ultimately, if you, if you want to develop something, you need skills, right? You, it's, it's very rare that you've got all the skills to do everything. You, you're going to need expertise to take something forward now that to get to the the, the nub of it the, the beauty of a time bank is you can access skills for free and the the generosity of the people that are offering on 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 hexi time as a time bank is so high you can access some real top quality expertise on hexi time we let people 
go to minus 40 credits, so minus 40 hours. So we'll let you take well over a week of resource from other people without having to pay for that. And the reason we do it, Ahisham's been touching on it, is because they're win-win relationships. So it may feel like you're taking from other people, but people are benefiting for a whole variety of reasons. The same reasons we, we give to charity, but also uh, far less altruistic reasons that are still really valid, like personal development, um, uh, expanding their portfolio, that sort of thing. That's, that's why people share ideas. So, you know, let's say you're in the early days and you are you're trying to work up a minimum viable product. Uh, chances are you might need people with tech expertise. You might need other innovators that have delivered MVPs and can advise you on shortcuts and pitfalls to, to avoid. As you test out your MVP, you're, you're going to need to collect data to understand whether your idea, your business has got legs. And so you're going to need to start analysing stuff. You're going to need to be doing reviews of the market, see who your competitors are. And suddenly you can, you can appreciate the workload gets pretty big. And most of you listening will be trying to hold down a day job while you're doing it. And your day job won't necessarily afford you the time or care about your side hustle. So uh, a time bank can give you access to people that will do that data analyst, anal uh, um, analytics, help you with that, that market research, help you with coaching and mentoring to, of pitfalls to avoid. And in those early stages, that's incredible because you're not giving away equity, right? If you go out into the big bad world and start asking for support and advice, people either want money or, or equity most of the time. Um, and they, they want in on it and you're protected there. And one of the benefits of time banking on a digital platform like HexiTime is it's being recorded, it's being logged, right? So if you are nervous about non-disclosure um, agreements and, and so on, we, we, know, we know the conversations you've had with people. So we've got, a, we've got a handle on what you've told people and who had the idea and, and all that. So there's an audit trail as well, which, um, which can be quite useful. But, but like, you know, back to the sort of heart, hearts and minds of this, you're networking, you're, you're finding that community, those people that are going to prop you up and take you forward and support you and develop you with your idea. And because without that, as me and Hesham both know, you, you get overwhelmed by your day job and it could peter into, into a shelved idea rather than a, a viable business. So free resource, get on board. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. Hisham, did you want to add to that? I guess it's just maybe extend it a little bit further, which is one of the things we've learned from, from Hexatime, from the time banking, is that it's, it's really paradoxical. But what we see is that um, requests get responded a lot quicker to than, than offers. So if you put an ask on there, it's a bit like on social media. When somebody puts a question, there's usually a whole spattering of responses to it. But when someone offers something, there's not always that much response. And it's the same on, on, on this kind of platform. So what I guess I would be recommending it is ask for help. You know, sometimes having that little bit of humility to say, I don't know, is, is all that it takes to unlock someone else's potential to come and help you. And, and, and thinking of it like that, thinking that by showing your ignorance and admitting your failings, what you're doing is letting someone else step up. It's, it's really a, a paradoxically actually a giving act by letting them give to you. And I think that would be the other thing I'd say is, you know, ask for help wholeheartedly and conscientiously because you don't know where 
benefit will come to from that and the cascade effect that you, in essentially what you do is is um you end up setting up a virtuous circle because someone has helped you and given the opportunity for someone to help them so there's there's a, there's a kind of real beautiful kind of um ripple effect through through just asking for help it's kind of almost a building block of a of a social movement really and you, and you see that happening even around in, in our case a healthcare improvement what i'm hearing then from the both of you is essentially it's it's putting into practice the pay it forward concept at the end of the day um you could pay it back but pay it forward but the other thing that actually it's it's very much aligned with the way innovation should work it's start with the problem and then find support to fix the problem rather than, oh, here I am, I've got all these technology and this skill set, let's find a problem to fix, you know? Uh, but it goes both ways, I guess. Okay, so uh, just go ahead, John. Yeah. Yeah, I was just saying, that, that's, a, that's another, um, another point I was going to make. I think when we talk about innovation and entrepreneurship, uh, for those of you that are like new to that, it can be quite intimidating. I think most people perceive the bar to be quite high. It's like, oh, you know, I need to come up with the latest novel invention and then make a million out of it. But we, we have we have room in the community on the time bank uh, for, you don't need to be in that position. You can, as you say, just have a problem. And you don't necessarily know what the answer is or, or have that snazzy like clinical device that you've invented in your lunch break that you're now taking to market. You can just take the problem and start sharing it with the community. Uh, and we, we, do, we, we have a feature called a challenge which is essentially uploading an idea. And then you can try and find people that are, you know, have, have passion and interest in that challenge. So for example, at the moment on Hexitime, we're, we've got um, lots of nurses raising challenges around problems to reduce waste for, for making a more environmentally conscious NHS. And we don't, we and they don't know the answers, but they're raising problems how we can reduce waste to make the NHS uh, you know, help help get to the net zero target. Um, so, so as well, if you're if you think you might be an innovator or an entrepreneur, time banking can help you to get there and to become one. You don't have to come to the table with a ready formed idea. Nice. Nice. I think just for the, um, I'm mindful of time, so I'll come back to you both with just a final question before you've got any final words you might want to share. Um, so, you know, as, as you've probably been seeing, those of you who are watching the podcast later too, or listening to the podcast later too, I'm covering and highlighting stories of uh, people who perhaps have come across, especially entrepreneurs, innovators who have been in outside of health entirely. They may have been in business, in finance, in engineering, and because of a personal experience with health, either their own health or caring for a loved one, or perhaps in, in their sector, they see an opportunity that could help the health sector. Uh, and indeed, just a side note, you know, 90% of health is outside health. It's in education, it's in um, the homes we live in, it's in our workplaces. So I'm curious whether you've worked with any of these in entrepreneurs from outside the health sector that are pivoting in. And secondly, just as follow up to that, you know, what tips would you have for those who might be in that boat? Yeah, I've, I've got um, a, couple, a couple of examples that come to mind. Um, one is we're, we're supporting mentoring and coaching for people from minority ethnic backgrounds on the platform. And we're starting to find partners with places like Google Cloud and IBM. And their directors are realizing that through time banking and paying it forward, they can provide their expertise from outside of healthcare 
into healthcare to support people in their careers. And that's, that's just been really nice to see people seeing time banking as a way to get involved and to help. And then a slightly more practical example, um, there was a, uh, and we're, we're starting to see people drip feeding onto the platform now from outside of healthcare. I think initially people are they're like, seriously, like we're allowed. And when they realize they're allowed, like they can get involved. What well, one is a Canary Wharf banker and uh, they had a bereavement in their own family and uh, just realized that when somebody dies, the, the chaos around managing finances after that and trying to manage finances at the worst possible moment while, while they're bereaving. And um, ironically, they worked in money, right? They worked in Canary Wharf in, in the banks. And, uh, I, and, and there was just an irony there that caused them to start thinking about a solution. And so what they were trying to do was develop a essentially an app that helps somebody to preload decisions while they're alive to then execute those decisions on death and automate some of the process to take the burden away from bereaving relatives. But realistically, they knew there were Canary Wharf bankers and needed to engage with clinicians and professionals that are at the coalface when, when people die. They put a put a, a sort of a request out on HexiTime and uh, within a few days found themselves talking to a palliative care uh, consultant uh, in Cornwall, other end of the country from, from London. And a, an exchange on HexiTime there and then very quickly that palliative care consultant brought in a couple of nurses and a couple of her social workers. Before they knew it, they had five clinicians uh, providing clinical advice on their experience of getting tech to people at end of life. Uh, there's no way these people would have met them geographically over end of the country, professionally from bankers to end of life care clinicians, um, or even socially, completely different worlds. And yet they were accessing all that resource for free. And uh, you might have that nervousness thinking, do I want to help a Canary Wharf banker develop <laughs> an innovation, right? But, but this is where the, the beauty of like face-to-face people exchanging, you know, sharing ideas and what's unifying everybody is trying to improve health and care services uh, and worked for all parties and really encourage uh, people from outside, not, not employed in health and care, but want to improve health and care, more than welcome and share your ideas. We'll Love help it. you. Love it, John. Honestly, Hisham, any, anything from you before we wrap up? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, as, as you know, more, more than most people is that, you know, health isn't determined by healthcare. In fact, you know, it, the very fact that healthcare is, is so siloed is, is part of the problem. And it's the kind of wider determinants of health. And, and in, in many ways, uh, the biggest problems we have in society at the moment are kind of ecological, social and spiritual. You know, the, the, those divisions are what's leading to environmental collapse, societal breakdown, and the kind of epidemic of depression and anxiety that we see today. So actually what we need in healthcare is people from outside healthcare to help sort these things out. You know, the more individuals we have from other sectors, whether it's from, um, you know, ecological, you know, societal um, or psychological support technicians, um, then actually the better our future is. I think, you know, the, the more that people can come in and give us those fresh eyes who can offer credible ideas with, with passion and, and um, creativity, I think the more innovation, the more that actually the NHS that we love can actually flourish. 
I love it. Look, just to, to wrap up from my end, before I come back to the both of you with any final words, um, when I started this out and I had this in my mind, you know, I know, I've got from public health expertise and training, we talk about all these wider determinants of health. So I'm a big fan of bringing people from outside healthcare into health sector, into the health sector. And indeed, when we talk about the health sector, it's all things health. So it could be done in, in schools and in, in workplaces, indeed the health sector, it's in healthcare as well. But honestly, at the beginning, when I started doing this, I thought, I'm a bit crazy. Uh, I've got an insane idea and no one else is doing this. But just starting this 90, I'm only 30, what, three days into this challenge. And people are approaching me. They're coming onto this as guests, talking about their very story. And now you two also shedding light on that. So I think we're not alone. And I hope to see more of this. And I, I really look forward to seeing Hexatime grow. I'll, I'm your biggest fan right now, just listening to the both of you. So again, putting this out there, if there's anything I can do, gladly I'll I'll support you. So uh, over to, to John first and then Hisham, any final words? I was going to jump in earlier and say, when you were talking about international, say it, it's going international already. Nice. Uh, nice. I've, been, I've recently been onboarding profiles from Pakistan and Oman onto the, prof, onto the platform. And we've had started to have exchanges from the Australian Health Department and we're collaborating with nurses in America and um, it's already starting to dabble there. So you never know who you're going to meet or get help and advice and support from on the platform. Uh, it, it really is going, going international. I think a final reflection for me really is like it's all about people, right? It's, it's all about people. I saw a statistic the other day that like the whole health and social care budget, right? It's over 200 billion and about 45% of that is paid on staff. You know, it's like 100 billion, right? 100 billion of, of, of taxpayers' money goes onto the workforce. And so sometimes when I'm thinking about priorities, it's easy to get caught up on vaccinations, you know, elective waiting list backlogs and, and, and all that. But actually, the priority for me from really from the military into the NHS has always been that, that vast majority of what we do, which is people, helping, supporting people, looking after people, to then to then support the the outcomes and the services that we're we're running so um we're all about people people orientated and i think that's where where the focus in the future will be thank you um i'm glad to hear that and again i'd love to see more of it you know so if you're watching listening from outside the uk do check that out uh, hisham over to you any final words I guess just some a, a, a single reflection really from from that nadir in my life which kind of brought me into this where you know I was, I was working harder to the point where i i burnt out completely and i think what i've learned now is, is rather than working harder what what we need is to work smarter and actually um to work kinder and i think that's going to be what's transformative for our workforce oh yeah mic dropped <laughs> it's like you know i've been i've been there i've been burnt out myself and i was just reading a bbc article this morning actually i shared it on my social media profiles about going from back to back zoom teams meetings any kind of meeting really what are we actually doing are we actually moving the needle uh, are we actually making a difference and it's often those times in between those meetings when you're in that passive state when you're walking and thinking not even you know purposefully it's just that flow state that the greatest ideas come to your uh, mind so let's stop 
all the movement and noise and let's start making a difference. So that's my final word. Look, it's a real pleasure. Tomorrow I'm joined by two guests from the US who, from their personal experience, one with cancer, the other one with menopause, they're talking about how they've transitioned into health entrepreneurship too. So join me tomorrow, same time. Absolute pleasure, John Hisham. It's uh, lovely meeting you and look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Take care. Learn more at The Entrepreneur's Doctor. www.entrepreneurs.doctor. Better health starts here.